Hello, and welcome to this week's look at action in film. Cast your mind back 40 years if you're old enough to do so. What were you doing back then? And what's the first thing that springs to mind when you hear this piece of music? That's right. This week we look at the horror classic that is An American Werewolf in London. Did you hear that? I heard that. What was it? Could be a lot of things. Yeah? A coyote. There aren't any coyotes in England. I'm sorry I'm upsetting you, David. But you don't understand what's going on. I understand, all right. You're one of the undead, and I'm a werewolf. Yes, that's right. David, stop! I'm going to the police. Jack was right. Jack is dead! Yeah, Jack is dead, and six people are dead. There's going to be a full moon tonight. I'm going to the cops. Oh, be serious, would you? You can't let them go. Should the world know our business? It's murder, then. Then murder it is. Excuse me. I'm a werewolf. A werewolf? Naked American men stole my balloons. What? It's not that! Let me rip! Let me rip! Oh my God! It's not coordinator who was given the credit of gaffer on the end titles was Alf Joint, a man who could quite simply do it all. Here he used his expertise in setting up action and making that action flow throughout the film. His director John Landis had made a living for himself as a stuntman back in the early days and was very aware of what he wanted to see on the big screen. 
Now everyone remembers the Piccadilly Circus sequence towards the end, but I'd like to draw your attention to a couple of moments earlier on in the film. Firstly, right at the very start of the movie, the two lads are attacked on the moors by a werewolf, which when David looks over from where he's lying injured and helpers arrive from the village, it becomes apparent that the werewolf is in fact a man, referred to later on in the film as an escaped convict. This character is played by stuntman Paddy Ryan, who was one of those who made a name for himself during the late 40s and early 50s. One particular stunt he's always remembered for is diving 65 feet from the battlements of a castle into 10 feet of water for the movie Ivanhoe in 1952. How did he survive such a fall? Well, he placed a catch net under the water to prevent him hitting the bottom, but only good enough if rigged correctly. Later on in the movie, David is having nightmares about being at home in America and the house being attacked by Nazi demons. His father answers the door and is confronted by these gun-wielding Nazis on the other side. They open fire and he's flung across the room. Stuntman Doug Robinson doubles the actor for this shot. David is grabbed from behind and a knife held to his throat by a demon, this time played by Vic Armstrong. In the kitchen, David's mother looks up to see what all the commotion's about. She receives a burst of gunfire and is thrown out of shot by the force of the gunshots. Now, she's doubled here by Tracy Edden, who's using what is now called a ratchet, but was previously known as a jerk harness. A vest worn under the costume has a hook at the back and a wire is attached to it. Now, on a cue... The cable is either pulled by hand or, as appears here, fired using compressed air, causing Tracy to leave shot very quickly indeed. Piccadilly Circus was recreated at Brooklyn's aerodrome for two weeks' worth of testing. The road was marked out using hay bales, and timing was of the essence. They weren't just making sure they hit their marks and vehicles correctly. They were also checking how long it took to clear the road and allow the public to drive on it again. The police had allowed them to use the circus for real, but only between 3 and 4 a.m. in the morning and at a weekend. But if that's all they were allowed, then so be it. Also, Vic Armstrong was driving the double-decker, which had to pull a big 180 in the middle of the circus to avoid the oncoming werewolf, which starts the car chaos. The only problem is that buses don't skid, unless they're on a skid pan where testing the driver's ability takes place. So Vic was going to need some added help. This came from Dave Bickers, who looked at the situation and decided the bus needed an extra set of wheels, like those on a shopping trolley that would easily track sideways and give the impression that the bus had skidded into place. This was done using forklift truck wheels placed on a mounting underneath the floor of the bus. When Vic hit the handbrake and started the slide, they would drop down and assist the bus slide into exactly the right spot. After two weeks of testing, everyone was ready. They blocked off all the roads to the circus and were just about to do a final rehearsal to make sure everything was okay. Stuntman Terry Walsh was driving a taxi cab and was to do what is called a T-bone meeting with another vehicle. He sat ready to go, and just as action is being given over the walkie-talkie, a man and a woman get into the back of his cab and say, At Fulham Broadway, please. 
Terry says, Righto, Gov, and floored the accelerator. He screamed out into oncoming traffic, round the circus with horns beeping left, right, and centre. The occupants were screaming in the back seat. Terry swerved to miss two other vehicles before arriving at his mark some three feet from the vehicle he's due to crash into during the actual take. Cool as you like, he turns round and says to the couple, That'll be four pounds, please, Governor. The man in the back was reaching for his wallet when Terry told him the truth and agreed to find him a cab so they could both get home safely. Another occasion had cameras upstairs on the bus as it slid into shot, but the footage was never used. Rocky Taylor, Billy Horrigan, Mark Boyle, Arthur Howell, Greg Powell, Tracy Eden, Nick Hobbs and director John Landis were all upstairs as passengers. But perhaps they were worried about getting recognised or the audience recognising some of the stunt guys on the bus being the same ones that were crashing into it. Anyway, it was cut from the film. Other memorable mentions include Peter Diamond as the policeman squashed between two cars as they collide, Nick Hobbs falling from the window of the bus, Rocky Taylor sliding the motorcycle down the road, and Sadie Eden being hit by director John Landis and crashing through a shop window after he is hit by a car that's driven by Vic Armstrong. All in all, another very standard evening in the capital. The last time film was allowed to shoot at Piccadilly Circus was in 1975, the John Wayne movie Brannigan, which we've already visited. This caused enough concern for London City Council, and they weren't keen on granting another film company the opportunity of doing it all over again. However, the movie is called An American Werewolf in London. London is, to many, Piccadilly Circus, the bright lights, the London buses, and the black cabs. Add this to the sequence, you've got yourself authenticity. Something the production designer took from his years of experience. Instead of dressing the set back at the aerodrome to look like the actual location in London, they dressed the London location to look like their set. Much easier on the eye. The stunts on this film have astounded me since I saw this movie first on VHS back in the mid-80s. It's a very small sequence, and yet all those names of stunt performers on the end credits made me realise that this was something very special indeed. I've been lucky enough over the years to speak to many of the people involved in the sequence and to get their take on how the sequence was filmed. It's been a huge thrill, and I'd like to take this moment to say a huge thank you to all of the stunt team, living and no longer with us, who made this such a memorable moment for me and for so many fans like me. There you go. That's it for this week. Join us on Friday for the YouTube show and don't forget to subscribe. So, until then, bye for now. <laughs>